1: It's another beautiful day for baseball in Los Angeles and and baseball podcast. Josh Schaefer and Blake Harris cover everything Dodgers right here on Inside the Ravine.
0: Happy Monday, everyone, and welcome to a brand new episode of Inside the Ravine, a brand new Dodgers podcast brought to you by Odyssey Sports. This is episode eight. That's Josh Schaefer. I'm Blake Harris. We are recording this Monday night. The Dodgers are currently in the fifth inning against the Colorado Rockies. Josh isn't as happy as he is in a uh, normal episodes, but first off, Josh is actually back in Los Angeles. I am. He's home. He's not uh, not some you know in some state in some city. Josh is home, so Josh, welcome back. Good to Thank have you. you back. But uh, actually, I, I think know I was for back you the other day too, wasn't I? You, we just didn't talk at this. It. <laughs> at this point, I don't even remember. I assume you weren't, but maybe you were. But how's
1: it feel to be back? Oh, uh, it feels great. Um, last week actually I was in Ireland. Um so not really, but we'll just we can just keep spinning it that way too. Um but yeah, no good to be back. Great to uh great to watch my Rams just not even show up tonight on Monday night football, but um, that's kind of how it goes in October against the Niners for whatever reason and of course just the icing on the cake was uh, Jimmy Garoppolo just getting the start and doing what he has always done against the Rams but against nobody else. So that's where we're at tonight. But Dodgers are playing well and they've got a franchise record 110. So it is what it is. We'll take a Rams loss.
0: Yeah, we were going to record earlier in the earlier in the afternoon, but Josh, you know, he asked, "Hey, can we can we wait till after the Rams game?" And I said, "Sure." And little did I know that it would just be 3 hours of yeah. I mean, I guess if you're a 49ers fan, it was exciting to watch, but from just any other fans perspective what a just boring just unexciting game and i literally said this to my girlfriend as the game's wrapping up i don't understand how jimmy garoppolo continues to get away with this the dude is like one of the worst quarterbacks in the nfl but all he does is win games it makes well, no sense oh well, what's funny it's, is
1: it, it's funny is it, it was like a completely different playbook today for the niners too they just like went back and took the Jimmy Garoppolo playbook off the shelf and they opened it back up and they were like, you know what? It's worked against the Rams last time. It'll work today. And guess who the starting quarterback was? It worked out for him. <laughs> <laughs>
0: All right. So I, I feel like that's enough NFL discussion for Please. this episode. But yes. let's move on. Uh, before we move on, you guys can listen to Inside the Ravine wherever you guys get your podcast. We're on Odyssey, we're on Spotify, we're on Apple. We're on those other random apps that you might get those podcasts. So make sure to follow us over there, hit the subscribe button, give us a review, let us know what you'd like to see and what you like uh, with these episodes as we continue to uh, move on with the show. You guys can also find us on social media at Inside the Ravine, on Twitter, on Instagram on TikTok and uh, today's episode is actually going to be more of a Q&A mailbag episode which we're going to be getting a lot of them from Twitter so again if you guys want to ask questions in future episodes make sure to follow us on Twitter at InsideTheRavine but Josh before we open up the mailbag filled with lots of just fantastic questions we're going to just cover the latest Dodgers news not a whole lot to really get to not a lot has really happened since we recorded I think back on Saturday so it's been you know a couple days but I guess the biggest piece of news that kind of drop today that essentially came out of left field is the fact that chris taylor is dealing with a neck issue that isn't really getting any better i think he was scratched from the lineup two days ago for like neck 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 stiffness and dave roberts pretty much said today that he's a little concerned that he might not be ready for the nlds which is eight days away so i'm lucky i've never had neck problems before i'm i guess still a little too young for that but this is a week away. Like I said, we're eight days away from the NLDS. Chris Taylor's had this problem for a couple days now, and Dave Roberts isn't sounding optimistic that Chris Taylor's going to be ready. So what is your level of concern that uh, Chris Taylor might not be ready for the NLDS? And if he's not ready to go for game one, you can't just add him for game two or three. Either he's on the roster or he's not.
1: Yeah, and I'm, I'm getting real tired of starting every episode with is insert player here, a concern at this point, because that's been every single show for us at this point. Um, And then we get to the next episode and that player is back, but somebody else is out. Um, So like you said, um, Dave Roberts said that it was a growing concern and it was just unclear of what was going to happen right now. And he thinks it'll clear up soon. Um, So I guess that's kind of where we're at. Um, It is a concern. And I think that a lot of people might, you know, jump the gun a little bit here and say, uh, well, Chris Taylor hasn't been very good. Like, is that actually a huge loss? He's missed a bunch of time this season anyway. fact of the matter is that it's baseball and the the Major League Baseball postseason is just a whole different monster, right? So when you get to the postseason, you never know who's going to get hot. As we always talked about, like Bellinger hot in the postseason. Uh, Jock Peterson was always hot in the postseason. And last year, Trey Turner was great all season and then struggled in the postseason. So it's, it's just a completely different animal. Um, and who knows? I think Chris Taylor would be a guy that, could turn lethal in the lineup both offensively or defensively come postseason season time. So he's obviously a guy that you're going to want on the roster. And uh, I think it is a little bit of a concern, but you're right. It kind of came out of left field. Um, no pun intended there, uh, but we don't really know a whole lot about it. Um, from the Dodgers perspective, it is nice to see, you know, trace Thompson back in the lineup and, and doing good things, at least tonight too. Um, if, um, for this neck issue, Taylor isn't available for the postseason. Um, but yeah, uh, hoping we know a little bit more over the course of the next few days. Uh, and then obviously there's a week off.
0: Yeah. I think Dave even said, like, we don't know how this happened. Like there's no way to figure out what went wrong. So yeah, the good thing is he does have eight days to hopefully get right. I don't know with whatever neck issue he has, how long something like this can take, how long it's going to linger for. But yeah, Chris Taylor, obviously his numbers haven't been great this season. Probably his worst season as a Dodger since he came over here, but this is a guy in his postseason career with the Dodgers, has nine home runs, 33 RBIs, has an OPS of 842. Just last postseason, Josh, I. I didn't realize Chris Taylor was this good in October last year. In 11 postseason games last year, obviously we know he had the walk-off form in the wildcard game, but he had three fifty-one OPS above twelve hundred. Like you said, he's had so many moments for the Dodgers in October where although he's hitting below league average right now, this is a guy where you want at the plate in October, you want him in the field in October, and if he's not able to go in a week and he's left off the NLDS roster, that's a huge, huge loss for the Dodgers. That I, I really think people aren't noticing or realizing that how severe this could be if he's left off.
1: Yeah, because obviously he is that player that can do everything. He's your, you know, it's another cliche, but he's your Swiss Army knife. Like he, he is that guy for the Dodgers, um, where you can really put him anywhere, um, and it, it doesn't matter where he's batting in the lineup. He, he should make an impact come postseason time, and uh, and then obviously defensively. I mean, you really put him anywhere. Um and and yeah, at least from a batting average uh, standpoint, there were times when when he had struggled for the Dodgers series by series. Um, but last year, I mean, in in the NLCS and a series where the Dodgers lost, he was probably, I mean, he was probably their best hitter by far. I mean, uh, and then and then obviously, um, in the wild card, he had that home run. So it's he's a player that you're gonna want come postseason. But also, it's not just it's not just to have him in the lineup, it's to have him when you need him, if you need him. Um, and it's just a Dodgers team that's incredibly deep, it seems. And then with all of these injuries that keep coming up, you're starting to shrink a little bit.
0: Yeah, I mean, we saw last year when their depth took a massive hit, when guys like Steven Souza and Billy McKinney were having to get at bats in the postseason. Obviously, the depth isn't as bad as it was last year, nowhere close, but if you lose chris taylor all of a sudden then you're having to rely on someone that isn't as significant isn't as that you know isn't as reliable so yeah th- this is something to monitor again hopefully within the next week he's able to feel a lot better i know he got a cortisone shot today so that thing should take about 24 hours for him to really feel jacked up uh, all the magic that cortisone zone shots do. So, hopefully Chris Taylor's back. Hopefully he's able to be on the NLDS roster. But again, more to follow in regards to that. Our next piece of news, Joss, is that Tony Gonsolin was activated off the IL today. Ended up being about a month and a half. I think his last start was like August 18th 19th i want to say something like that but he was placed on the il i think on august 22nd august 23rd so he ended up missing about six weeks but he's back he pitched two innings tonight allowed a run and pretty much once he was taken out of the game he went to the bullpen threw some more pitches so that looks good there, encouraging hopefully tomorrow there's no reports saying that his arm is messed up or anything like that and it looks like if all goes well he'll be the dodgers number three or number four starter in the postseason probably still won't be built up all that much probably three or four innings and then maybe like an Andrew Heaney or a Dustin May is going to follow but again we talked about this in the last episode we haven't recorded a show in which Tony Gonsolin was healthy I mean he's been on the aisle ever since we started this so for the first time we don't have to give a Tony Gonsolin update about his recovery we can give an update that Tony Gonsolin actually made a start tonight and uh, looked solid in his very limited action.
1: Yeah, I mean, the second inning wasn't great, but the first inning was really, really clean. You know, a pop-up, a strikeout, and a ground-out, retires the side on 13 pitches. Second inning, not as impressive. Obviously, he gives up one run, and, you know, he finishes the night with, you know, a run on three hits, no walks, and... A- couple of strikeouts too. So in just two innings, um, I think uh, obviously we had talked about this by the time he comes back, you want to see him have a very short outing. I don't know if I had two innings in mind. I thought it would be three or four. Maybe um, I thought that they might cap it at four, but hoping for three, two's fine, especially when you look at the score right now and it's still tied. So, you know, he gives up a run. He's not in line for the loss, not in line for the win. I don't think it really matters all that much, but it was good to see him come out. Um, and, it seemed like his fastball was pretty much right where you want it to be. It was around ninety-three, which is pretty standard uh, for for Tony Gonsolin. Um, and then some of his other pitches, I think in the second inning, needed to tune up a little bit. But ultimately, his breaking stuff wasn't bad. His splitter was pretty good too. So uh, two innings, this first one very good, the second one not so much. But ultimately, you know, he limited damage and it was okay.
0: Yeah, I was shocked to see the two innings because I thought they talked about him going three to four. So maybe it was just after the two innings, they just said, you know what, that's good. Go throw some more pitches in the bullpen. So great news that Tony Gonsolin's back. And Dave Roberts said today, essentially the starting rotation looks like it's locked up. As we talked about Julio and Kershaw, they're going to be game one and two whenever that's decided. But Dave pretty much came on and said today, it's going to be Tyler Anderson, Tony Gonsolin for games three and four. It's just a matter of figuring out what order they're going to go in if he wants to do Anderson in Game Three or Four, but none of that really matters. So great to see Tony Goncilin back. Just some other quick injury news pieces to touch up on: Blake Trinan and Dustin May. They each threw today. Uh Looks like Blake Trinan. The news is certainly encouraging. Sounds like there's a chance he'll be on the NLDS roster next week, barring some setback. And with Dustin May, everything sounds like it's working well for him. And it's it's weird that Dave Roberts didn't want to commit to Dustin May being used out of the bullpen when they've already named their four starting pitchers. So I don't know if maybe they're going to get creative and maybe, like, for Tyler Anderson's start, maybe Dustin May goes, like, one or maybe two innings and then Tyler Anderson follows... Do you think the Dodgers maybe get creative or something like that? We saw them last year, especially in that game five against the Giants when they had Julio Urias, but they used an opener. Do you think the Dodgers might get a little too cute and uh, for either Gonsolin or Anderson, maybe up to use an opener?
1: Yeah, I don't know. It... That could be the case. I would not be surprised to see that at all. I also would not be shocked if they threw somebody like Dustin May out there as the quote-unquote opener, like you said, and see what you get and then have somebody else come in later like a like a Gonsolin or an Anderson and then get a bunch of innings out of them. I also could see it going the other way around where you have somebody like Anderson come in and say they get into a massive jam in the fourth inning. Maybe you bring in somebody like Dustin May to put out the fire. So um, I think it could come you know, either at the front end or the back end of a guy like Anderson start or just outing in general.
0: It's going to be interesting to see how they work this. It does sound like Andrew Heaney whenever he's used. He's going to be coming out, you know, of the bullpen and relieve. But with Dustin May, maybe, yeah, maybe with Tyler Anderson or Tony Gonsolin, they're thinking, let's use Dustin May for one inning or two innings and then have one of these guys piggyback him because, I don't know where he folds it. I know we talked about this last episode about him potentially being an option to close games or where's he coming out. So maybe it's an opener, but I just thought it was odd that, again, Dave's not committing to him being a reliever when, like I said, the four rotation spots are already locked up.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's just kind of, (laughs) you know, we had talked about this before, like you said. I mean, I just don't really know where. Justin may factors in right now. His outings were so hit or miss. And we, we talked about again, no pun intended, but you know, we, we talked about how, you know, his games against the Padres, not so good his games against the Marlins, very good. And, you know, it's just kind of hard to balance that right now um, with, with what we've gotten from Dustin may like his stuff looks good, but sometimes the numbers don't. Um, So right now I just don't really know where we're at with Dustin may and how he factors in um, to either the rotation or to the bullpen come playoff time which is right around the corner now, and, and he's going to be there. It's just going to be in you know what capacity, and not even in capacity, but what role specifically. Right. Well, so that's
0: the latest Dodgers news. Again, nothing too exciting that's happened over the last few days. Hopefully, the next time we record, there's no uh, bad news to talk about. Hopefully, it's only good news. So we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're opening up the mailbag to your questions, so stay tuned for that.
1: Presented by T-Mobile Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.
0: Now, Josh, before we get to the mailbag, I don't know if you were watching the Dodgers game right before we recorded, but so I'm I'm sitting here watching the game and Joe and Oral, they cut to a uh, fan catching a foul ball. And I'm thinking, why are they cutting to this fan catching a foul ball? Because Joe's like, just keep your eye on uh, what happens here. So a guy like leans over, catches a foul ball, and uh, I, I, I'll just say, di- did you see the replay? Do you know what I'm talking about, or is this news, is this news to you?
1: No, I, I must have missed
0: this. So this fan goes to catch a foul ball, makes a very slick catch, but he like leans over a row and kind of like sticks his glove over someone to catch it. Pretty much, you know, saves them from getting hit in the head, and. This, you know, they're showing this guy he's celebrating with all of his friends. As the camera starts to slowly pan, the guy that he leaned over to catch the foul ball over was Steve Garvey, who's just in the middle of like. In the middle, like this is like twenty rows behind the dugout. He's not in a suite. He's not sitting like one row behind, you know, the field. He's just in the heart of all the fans, wearing a long sleeve button shirt, as you would expect. His hair is perfectly (laughs) quaffed. Gets up, looks at the guy, and like you can see him saying, "Thank you so much for saving me from getting hit by a foul ball," and uh, shakes his hand. So I don't know if the guy realized that he was sitting behind Steve Garvey, or that he just saved Steve Garvey's life, but. What would you do if you caught a foul ball and realized it was a Dodger legend Steve Carvey whose life you just saved? I would say,
1: Steve, um, you're my dad's favorite player when he was growing up um, because he has the same first and middle name as you. (laughs) Should have
0: have gone for the trifecta. He should have
1: changed it to get the trifecta. Steven Patrick, baby. Oh, That's boy. what I would have said. All right.
0: So I, I just wanted to bring that up because I thought that was hilarious <laughs> and just totally random when sitting back watching
1: a I didn't know game, where so... this was going. I, I thought that you were going to say there was some sort of wardrobe malfunction, in which case I was going to be like, oh, my God. And they highlighted it on, on the broadcast. There you go. All right. So we're going to open up the
0: mailbag. We are going to uh, turn to some questions from Twitter. We're also going to turn to some questions from my sub stack because every week, Josh, I do a Q&A. And uh, I thought it'd be fun, because we got a lot of questions over there, to bring the questions from Substack to here, so uh, I can ask them to you, because there were some good ones, so we're really, you know, opening up the Q&A all over, so again, if you guys yes. want to ask us a question for a future episode, hit us up on Twitter, at Ravine. Josh, our first question comes from Steve Phillips, this is a very important question to me, it's near and dear to my heart, do you put ketchup on your hot dogs?
1: Yes, I do. I do put ketchup on my hot dog. I mean, now do you put I, I know something that, else on the hot dog or just yes. the ketchup? No, 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 no. Absolutely not. It's it. I definitely put more than just the ketchup. I put um, just a thin. Or I, I usually you can't really squiggle the the ketchup on all that well. So I usually just do a straight line of the ketchup, and then I squiggle on the the, the mustard. Just just regular yellow mustard. See, I I'm basic and plain. I like
0: my hot dog with just ketchup. Now mm. I, I do enjoy a good chili You like chili everything cheese dog. with ketchup. That's true. I you do like everything, everything with, with ketchup. ketchup. I love everything with ketchup. I've I'm not seen like...
1: this man I've seen this man <laughs> eat ketchup with a spoon. That's okay, yeah. that's not that not maybe not that far. But I've seen you put ketchup on a lot of different things. Yeah, but don't worry, I'm
0: not one of those crazy people that puts it on steak. I'm not that obsessed. Yeah, you just like steaks well done. Yeah, because that's, that's the proper way to eat steaks, Josh. <laughs> I mean I, I'm not trying to eat red. I don't. I, I enjoy my food cooked. I guess. Okay. I guess you don't. I guess you like food undercooked. I don't like it this undercooked. Sin. Disgusting. Also, uh, to add to this ketchup discussion, if you're not eating Heinz, then you might as well just not eat ketchup ever again. Because what about Hunt's? Oh please, <laughs> Hunt's, bro. No. See that's the problem with society nowadays. They don't appreciate
1: good ketchup. People are settling no, for hunts. no, 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 no. I appreciate good ketchup because what happens when you go to a place and they've got the 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 bottle on the table and you're like, oh, all right, and then you go to get it, it's not good ketchup. That's when and you know you're, it's you're not the place fr- to eat at. See, that, sometimes
0: that's, that's how you that's how you determine, Josh. That's how you determine if a restaurant means business if they care about their customers. Because Hines, the I get it. Well, I'm if not a so ranch eater, so I couldn't tell you there.
1: You're not a, okay, we'll see if you've got yeah. a good ranch that doesn't just taste like the generic stuff you get out of a bottle, you know, Hidden Valley or whatever. Hidden Valley's fine on your salads and stuff, but if I'm putting it on fries or a burger or even pizza or something, give me some good ranch. I don't want Hidden Valley. Doesn't hit the same. Please get if if you're hosting people for a party, just
0: get Heinz. Couple weeks ago, my my family came over. We were watching college football. My dad showed up with a bottle of Hunts. Oh, and I boy. said, Dad, thank you for coming today. There's the door. Let me know <laughs> when you bring some Hines back to this party because I will not serve Hunts. Fair uh, enough. This next question is an interesting one, Josh. This comes from is it's just I Z. So I'm going to that. The Iz. question, or no, that, that's the person. Uh, okay. What movie best describes the Dodgers season? So if you had to think of a movie that describes the Dodgers' season, what would it be?
1: Oh, I don't I don't know. I don't know. Um See, I think Let me go to last season. Last season was like Rogue One from Star Wars. It's a good. It's a good movie. You know, you're following the heroes. You get to the very end, and they're gonna do all this amazing things. Um, but then, like the Dodgers, where everybody got hurt at the end of the season, and they like tried to keep playing until ultimately it wasn't enough. Just like Rogue One. So everyone, go, Spoiler alert. This you've been warned. If you haven't seen Rogue One, this this is it. This is the end of the movie, and it ruins a lot. So I mean, this is the whole movie. So at the very end of the movie, you know, they go down to the planet. They get locked in there, basically, and then they fight to get the Death Star plans uh, to lead up to a new hope that came out in the 70s. And then the Death Star basically blows everybody up and they all die. Everyone dies for the greater good of the rebellion so that they can defeat the Empire. So that's what happens at the end of last season. Everybody got hurt. Everybody died. The season came to a close. Everyone was real sad. But then in the offseason, you know. You get Freddie Freeman. You get a couple of pieces here and there. As the season starts, you make this massive, massive trade where you do have to give up a lot, but in return, you get Trace Thompson. And basically, you get another hero. And then here's here's where we're at. Like, is is this is it going to be like a new hope where oh no, you lose somebody halfway through the season that you think could be a hero, like Walker Bueller and Obi-Wan Kenobi dies in Rogue One. Spoiler alert. Um, but that movie came out in like 1977. If you didn't know that's on you, um, not me. Uh, but then they blow up the death star in the end and everybody's happy. Now that's just the one movie, but they set it up as if that might be the whole story. Spoiler alert. It's not, but we're going to pretend that that's the whole story. And maybe in the end, the Dodgers won a world series. You follow Blake?
0: Well, I, I mean, I, I'm not a a star Wars person, Uh but I, I do know that rogue one, according to my girlfriend is like, one of the top tier star Wars movies that they've made that they've made. Uh, Personally, I stopped watching midway through because I was so bored with that movie. Oh my God. Then again, I, I don't have taste. So there is also that. (laughs) Uh, So I don't like star Wars. I don't like Harry Potter and I don't like Lord of the Rings. I'm a unicorn.
1: What about Marvel?
0: Well, I'm I'm not like a certain somebody we know that just uh, gets defensive when asked (laughs) to watch a Marvel movie but i'll I'll watch him I don't know what's going on like i don't I don't follow with what's happening. Okay. I don't know the anything but i'll I'll tune in fair enough. I'll watch him so I get I get behind them I'm down I'm down right. for the people so he talked about ketchup rogue one and uh the los angeles rams tonight let's see where else the show is going to take us yep. uh, we're going to move on to the sub stack now this question comes from travis any thoughts about the dodgers approaching julio urias with an extension heading into the 2023 offseason because he has one year left of arbitration then he's hitting free agency josh so do you think the dodgers one will potentially extend julio this offseason and two if you're uh if you're in charge, if you're calling the shots, what are you throwing uh Julio's way uh in order to sign him to a long term extension? Because I will add, his agent, unfortunately, is one Scott Boris. So that's yeah. gonna be a difficult uh a difficult one to crack. So
1: right now it's one year eight million. Um and oh and then obviously, you know, arbitration in 23, UFA in 24 when he's 27 years old. I uh, you know, I think that the Dodgers should extend him um because I think that I mean I mean you just look at we already we already did the numbers earlier. I'm not going to go over all of them. Do we have to play
0: Julio or Sandy again, No, we don't need
1: to play Julio or Sandy again. (laughs) Spoiler alert, every single question um, was Julio except for one. Um, So, look, Julio's numbers, they're freaking good, man. And, I mean, they're really good over his whole career except for one season in 2017 where he started five games. Every other year, he's been phenomenal for the Dodgers. So, I think that the, the short and very, very easy answer is yes, they probably should extend him. Um, I don't think you should throw the throw the house at him because um, I think that you probably won't have to do that. Um, but again, I mean, what, what do you think a fair number is? That's what I've been
0: trying to figure out for the longest time, because, again, it just goes to show how underrated he is. Like, this should be a guy that you would think, especially the fact that he's only going to be 27 years old, which is still just mind-blowing that he's that young, like, you would think that he should get at least $200 million. which even then when you think about that, you're like, is he a $200 million pitcher, which goes to show just how underrated he truly is, because this is a guy, like you mentioned, has been elite every year the last four to five years, with the exception of when he missed, you know, time with that that injury, so... I think $200 million, but the fact that he's a Scott Boras client, and two, he's going to be an elite starting pitcher that's only going to be 27 years old, so it might cost more. But I'm fine throwing whatever the Dodgers need to throw at him, because when you look at the starting rotation, even before Walker Buehler's injury uh, for Tommy John, I was on board with, if you had to choose one of Julio or Walker Buehler, I would lean Julio just because I think overall he's the better pitcher. But now with Walker sidelined until 2024, maybe he's going to be a cheaper option. You can get both. But Mm -hmm. I'm very interested because, like I said, I I have no idea. And two, the fact that he's a Scott Boris client, we know he's going to get more money than he would with anyone else. So it'll be interesting to follow. But the fact that he is a Scott Boris client means essentially... He won't sign an extension with the Dodgers next year. He's going to take it to free agency because essentially every Scott Boris client does that. But I, I don't know if, if I were to guess, maybe like seven years for two ten, just yeah, straight up thirty I mean, million a year.
1: Yeah, I think so.
0: Right, I think Hopefully. that's fair. Hope I, so. I still, I still can't believe he's what twenty five now, twenty six. <laughs> he just, just
1: turned twenty six.
0: That's unbelievable. Mm-hmm. That's that's unbelievable. All right, we're going to go back to Twitter now, Josh, and this is kind of a fun one. This comes from Eddie. How does Fresno State freaking lose to UConn, the worst football team on the planet? <laughs> now, when I read this, I thought, wait a second, there's no way. So I just went and checked, and Fresno State lost to UConn by five points. Fresno State is now 1-3 on the season. This was a team that I thought was probably going to be one of the better group of five teams in all of college football. I thought a couple weeks ago that SC might be on a potential upset watch because uh, Jake Hayner, for some reason, just dominates Pac-12 opponents. But Fresno State lost to UConn.
1: Do they get relegated now? Is that how this works, Josh? Um, Yeah. I I mean, I think that that's how it works, relegated to FCS. Um, Yes. I mean, that's just – I mean, basically that's what happened to UConn anyway. Um, UConn, <laughs> UConn scored the game winning touchdown with two minutes left in the game too. Um, and this game was in beautiful stores, Connecticut too. Um, I mean, it's just, ah, man, I, I mean, UConn's won two games this year. How about that? And, but also, we're, I mean, you also have to multiverse. remember, yeah, <laughs> yes, um, also have to remember that, uh, Jake Hainer's out. Um, he oh, had is he? That, well, okay, yeah, he so that, that I didn't know. He, he had a horrible injury at USC. Um, oh, I, I forgot that. It was really tough. Um, tough to see because he, he's, he's a fun quarterback. And obviously, he had that game at UCLA last year at the Rose Bowl. Dude was phenomenal and played that whole game. Basically, I mean, you have four limbs. He probably had one working one that game, and it was his right arm. And that's, you know, or is he a lefty? I don't remember. Whatever his passing arm was, that mm-hmm. was the only limb that was working for him. And he beat <laughs> UCLA on, like, the last play. So... Dude, dude's fun, um, and it was tough to see him go down. But, yeah, for for Fresno State, I mean, Fresno State and Boise State, my roommate's not going to like me saying that, and neither is uh, uh, our Marvel fanatic friend uh, who we mentioned earlier. I mean, Boise State is just not good this year either, and, and they made that huge comeback against San Diego State the other day, so that was impressive. But, man, Fresno and Boise, two of those really good teams out of the Mountain West typically, uh, just not very good at all. Yeah, college football is just making zero – Zero sense this year. Hank Bachmeyer transferred from Boise State midseason. Like, after three games, he was like, nah. I'm out. I can't do this.
0: I'm good. So, we'll we'll see. Uh, appreciate those who are following along in our college football discussion. Uh, this next question, we're going back to Substack. I believe this is the same Eddie that just asked that question because this one is Edwin. But so, we got Ed, Eddie and Edwin, but I, I think it's the same. Uh, why has Gavin Lux not been hitting number 9 in the lineup? He was currently so much better in that spot and has struggled outside of it. Uh, this one, Josh, I had to actually go and look at the numbers because it, it does seem like Gavin Lux has been struggling as of late. And for some reason, he's not hit ninth anymore. So since July 27th, he's hit ninth only four times. Prior to that, he had hit ninth maybe like 85 90% of the games and in the 36 games since he stopped hitting ninth consistently he has an ops below 600 so this is nearly a 40 game sample so do you think one that this is just a coincidence that the second he stopped hitting ninth consistently his numbers have taken a massive hit and two the fact that all season dave was explaining saying oh the reason we hit him ninth is because He is so valuable in this spot. He gets on base, he resets the top of the order for guys like Mookie and Trey, and now he's just hitting seventh with guys like Gallo and Cody Bellinger behind him where he's getting on base for guys that are getting out all the
1: time. So, what the hell? You know, I do think that uh, part of this has to do with um, what the state of the team has been like lately because obviously we've seen a few different kinds of lineups recently. Uh, tonight he is uh, batting sixth. Um, so <laughs> I would not be shocked come postseason to see him back in that ninth spot, at least to start. Um, but, but really, who knows? I think that um, this could just be a way to get some of those higher averages and, and higher OPS numbers um, a little bit higher in the lineup. Um, with guys like Bellinger and Gallo hitting towards the bottom. Um, but I think the lineup structure might go back kind of uh, to to where it was um, earlier in the season, maybe even a couple weeks ago um, when the playoffs start.
0: Yeah, I hope so. I hope, you know, come, come the NLDS time, they go back to what was working so well earlier in the season because at first I was against it when he was posting, like, the eighth best on base percentage in the National League. I was like, get him higher in the lineup, but – You know, then I saw that it was working so well when he was on base all the time for those guys. So it's not working now. He's struggling. You can make, I mean, a lot of guys are struggling. I was looking up Trey Turner's numbers. I know we talked about him in the last episode. He doesn't have an RBI in his last, like, 16 games. His OPS is, like, 700 over his last 55 games. Only three home runs since, like, early July. Uh, Gallo's struggling. Trace Thompson until the last two days no longer struggling.
1: Freddie's no longer the... uh... National or the major league leader in batting average,
0: yeah, like he's, a point he's, behind Jeff McNeil. I'm pretty he's, sure he's slipping, so
1: there's a lot of guys
0: struggling. So, yeah, hopefully, they go back to that. Hopefully, Lux hits ninth because again, it was working well for them. I, I think it's a smart move, Josh. We have time for one more question, so I'm going to dive into the back with this one. This comes from Travis. It's always great when you start a question just for fun because you know the question's going to go uh, go a great oh, yeah. place. So, Travis says, just for fun, come up with your idea of a trade package to get Shohei Otani from the Angels. So you're Friedman, you're getting on the phone with whoever's in charge over there in Anaheim now because I don't know who's in charge anymore. It's just an absolute mess. And uh, you have one chance, you have one opportunity to uh, make him an offer he can't refuse for Shohei Otani. Where are you going with it?
1: Mm. That's a really good question. Um, I'm going to, I think... I think you have to include one of the two between Bobby Miller and Ryan Pepio. I think you have to include one. So let's get a pitcher in there, and we'll say, "Yeah, I'll I'll let you pick Miller or Pepio. Who's going over?" Oh well, if I had to pick,
0: I I'm keeping Bobby Miller and sending Pepio over. But okay, I got so, a feeling, I got a feeling they're going to want Bobby Miller. But you know, maybe maybe Miller we too. can maybe we can throw in some extra
1: goodies if. Okay, so, uh, if we don't have to include him. Yeah, so I'm going to say Bobby Miller. Um and then so we'll do Bobby Miller. Um they can have Cody Bellinger. I'd be willing to give him up. Um <laughs> Miller I mean it's tough because I'm looking at the line or the 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 current active roster and also the prospects too. Um because so See where exactly do you go with it though, too, because do you want to go pitchers? Do you want to? Because they're gonna. The Angels would not let him go unless they were getting active players in return and not necessarily prospects. So I even right. I even don't even know if if Diego Cartaya is a guy that like I even throw in off the top. So right. I think I would go Bobby Miller, like Miguel Vargas. Um, I mean, if you're gonna keep Cartaya, maybe throw in like a Dalton Rushing. He, he's relatively relatively young too so three prospects and then somebody like
0: maybe like a dustin may or you know a tony gonsolin or i guess yeah. maybe like
1: some pitcher that has active innings yeah that's and then are you going to want to bat too like what's that package going to be so right because the thing is too you're going to get most?
0: You're only going to get you know one year of him, so it's not as significant like the Soto package. Yeah. Now, Josh, what if what if they come back and say, "We're only doing the deal if you include former Chatham A legend, Michael
1: Bush." I are you ha- are you hanging do. up right then and there? Bang! Hanging up the goodbye. Phone. No, you know what? I I think I'd have to do that, right? <laughs> right. Michael Bush yeah, I, is I, where I'd... I draw the line. <laughs> no. <laughs> You could have everyone else but no Michael Bush. Yeah. I don't know. Because you're right. It, it is different than the Soto package because the so- uh, the Soto package, the Nats did not necessarily want the prospects. Because the Dodgers could offer more prospects than the Padres could. But they didn't want the prospects. They wanted more active guys. And I think that's yeah. why the Dodgers didn't want to do that deal, which I totally agree with. I mean, if you want more players from the active roster with major league experience, are you going to be willing to give that up? And I don't, I don't think the Dodgers were. I don't think... If I were the Dodgers, I would have been willing to give it up, and the Padres were. So, um, I mean, they were really willing to give up Eric Hosmer, too. So, (laughs) um, that's kind of how I see that. And it just depends on what exactly the Angels would value in that situation, given you're only likely going to have him for a year. Right. Yeah. Whatever. If
0: they end up trading him, it'll be interesting to see what the package is. Whatever it takes. Unless uh, you're partnered with Michael Bush, because we keep every Chatham angler at all costs. Yeah, once once we let Jojo Gray go, I I'm drawing the line at Bush. Yeah, you can only give up so many. So Friedman, you had your one for the decade. So also, I don't even else.
1: remember who else was involved in that trade. But the other the other guy they gave up, whose name I completely forget, was like another Chatham guy who was like two or three years before me. But there were two in that deal. Was it Donovan Casey? Yeah, Donovan Casey. Yeah, the third. Yeah, he was the third just piece that many, went over that everybody forgets about.
0: Too many Chatham A's just getting traded, and it, it needs to stop. Yeah, bring it me Kyle Hurt.
1: Kyle Hurt's next.
0: <laughs> <laughs> He'll get traded in two or three years as a throw-in for some random trade. So that ends the mailbag. Thanks to everyone who asked questions. Thanks to everyone on Substack who asked questions. And again, you guys can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok at Inside. The ravine, Josh. We're going to be heading out, but before we do, any uh, parting words uh, before our next episode, which I'll tease the next episode. But
1: any parting words? Um, postseason is right around the corner, but we do have one more show at least, at least one more show before we get there. So make sure you follow us on Twitter and obviously uh, like and download the show uh, wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Yeah, so our next episode, still don't know what day it's going to be exactly, but our next episode is going to be our complete postseason roster prediction show. Like I said, sometime later this week, the NLDS starts for the Dodgers next Tuesday. I think they officially announced the roster usually a day before, I want to say maybe two, so we're going to get that out before. We're we're going to be each breaking down our personal picks for the 26-man roster, who we think is going to make the cut, who we think misses the cut, and we're going to have all of our reasons. So we'd love to hear your guys' thoughts as well. We'd love to hear your predictions on the postseason roster. So if you have any hot takes in regards to the postseason roster, shoot us a DM on Twitter at InsideTheRavine. We'll share some of our uh, viewers' postseason roster predictions. So again, if you want to have your uh, predictions featured in next episode hit us up on twitter and we'll get those there but you guys can follow josh on twitter at josh schaefer 25 you can follow me on twitter at blake harris tbla you can find inside the ravine wherever you get your podcast on spotify on apple most importantly on the odyssey app follow us there subscribe like whatever you can do, I don't know which app uh, you can follow or subscribe on, but make sure you guys do that, that way you're notified whenever we post an episode, and make sure to leave us a review, again, whatever you'd like to see in future shows, future drafts, future segments, let us know, and also let us know what you like about the show, we'd appreciate it we actually got a review, Josh, I'll have to uh, save it for the next episode, that way we can read the review, and uh, you know, give thanks to whoever took the time out of their day to go on to an Apple podcast and write a review for the show. So we'll save that. If you, Hey, if you guys want to be featured as well, write a very nice review and Josh can read it very elegantly. So for Josh Schaefer, this has been Blake Harris. Thank you guys so much for listening. We really do appreciate it. Enjoy the rest of the season. There are only three games left. We'll be back later this week, but enjoy the rest of your day wherever you may be.